Against the odds, my husband and I ended up buying one of my old childhood homes a few years into our marriage. We were ecstatic when we saw it was on the market and we could afford it. Getting out of our one-bedroom apartment and becoming homeowners was an exciting turning point in our lives. For me, the chance to revisit a place filled with happy memories from my past was another sweet part of the deal. We moved into our new home two weeks before Thanksgiving. Coincidentally, that was around when my family had first moved into that house. My family moved around a lot during my childhood. This house had been a short stop along the way. We had arrived there in the fall of 2001 and stayed only until the early summer of 2002. At that time, my parents were renting it until we had a more permanent living situation. This house hadn't been a bad place to live at all. If not for the fact that there weren't many kids my age in the neighborhood where it sat, I wouldn't have minded if it had been our permanent home. I got the bigger bedroom with the bigger closet. My sister was perfectly happy with the smaller room because it was painted yellow, her favorite color. There were plenty of places for us to play hide-and-seek. It was also right down the street from the park, from a park with a swing set, so even though we didn't have much of a backyard, we had the next best thing. After hauling in all the boxes we could, my husband and I took a break and walked around the house, surveying it. For him, it was a first glance at our new home. For me, it was a trip down memory lane. Right away, we decided the yellow room would be our first child's nursery. The room where my sister and I had kept all our toys would be the perfect space for our musical instruments and recording equipment. And the former master bedroom would, of course, become our master bedroom. And what was once my bedroom would be the spare room. I hauled a box of bedding up to this room first, set it down by the wall, and stood in the space where my bed had been, reminiscing about the time I had spent playing with dolls, reading books, and writing poems in this room. A sudden memory washed over me, so I went to the, went to the closet and pulled open the doors. Sure enough, in tiny letters near a corner, written in blue crayon, was the word fart. I laughed to myself. I had committed this act of vandalism back in 2001, and at the time, thought it was the funniest thing. Strangely, it went completely unnoticed this entire time. <clears throat> or at least no one had bothered to do anything about it. <clears throat> As we went about the next several days, furnishing the house and making plans to paint walls and replace carpeting, I relived many memories. Not all were so bright. One minute I'd recalled the time I finally made a friend and invited her over to play for the first time. And the next I'd remember how lonely and disoriented I felt, being dropped into a new school in the middle of the year. A memory of the birthday I had celebrated that year with classmates at the skating rink in town would fade into a memory of feigning from nervousness during a spelling test my first week of school. I'd remember all the fun my sister and I had had riding our bikes around the neighborhood, only to also remember the humiliation of being required to write everything in cursive and not knowing how because my old school hadn't taught it yet. This was no big deal. Childhood memories can't all be so sunny. It was the crying I heard from behind the walls of the master bedroom that bothered me. The first time I heard it was around 12.30 a.m. one night while I was having trouble sleeping. Our house was close enough to neighboring houses that it easily could have been coming from next door. It was a child's crying. Not loud or alarming enough to wonder if everything was okay next door, but mournful, 
reminding me of some of the things I had thrown myself onto my pillow sobbing over when I lived there as a child. I was a little drama queen. What was strange was hearing that same crying exactly a week later, this time at around 5 p.m. when I was in the bedroom folding clothes. It sounded so similar that I wondered if it was a recording being replayed instead of an actual kid crying in real time. Same pattern of sobbing, deep breaths, and hiccups. I walked over to the TV and grabbed the remote to turn up the volume, hoping to drown out the sound. I dropped the remote when I realized the crying was coming from the floor vent next to the TV stand. It couldn't be. I ran down the stairs and passed the living room so fast that my husband became concerned. I didn't answer him when he asked what was wrong. I dashed toward the basement door and twisted the knob. It was stuck in place. I yanked at the door as hard as I could. It seemed to be completely sealed shut, a good sign that the basement flat out didn't exist anymore. The previous owners must have decided to end its use. Had there ever, ever been a basement at all? I could have sworn I remembered there being one behind this door. I explained to my husband that I heard noises coming from the door vent from the floor vent upstairs. Being the patient and understanding person he was, he joined me by the basement door, tried unsuccessfully to open it himself, and pressed his ear to it. By this time, the crying had already stopped. At that point, I wasn't sure what to do other than assume I had been mistaken about where the crying was coming from and forget about it. If the door was sealed, and the vents didn't lead anywhere else, then I must have been wrong. Memories of all the times my sister and I used to get in screaming matches about the dumbest things began to fill my mind. Even though I was older, I would, all, I would inevitably become more hysterical than her. As a kid, I was extremely argumentative and hated when she or anyone else disagreed with me on something that I considered important. These days, I was pretty mellowed out and a lot more willing to accept defeat. The following weekend, we walked over to the park where I had spent so much time playing. As we walked past the swings over to the tennis court, I remembered the day I finally figured out how to jump rope on the pavement under the basketball hoop on a chilly day in early spring. I had been elated that I could now join in the jump rope, jump rope games at recess without making a fool of myself. And then I remembered an encounter I had at this park with one of the meanest boys in my class who happened to live nearby and came to this park often. He dared me to climb one of the tallest trees nearby. My refusal and subsequent tears from feeling overwhelmed and humiliated by his taunting led to weeks of harassment from him and a few other kids at school, making me cry even more and further stirring them on. And for years to come, even into junior high, this kid would occasionally sneer and make obnoxious crying noises when he saw me at school, making sure enough people were around a witness and even getting a few other kids to join in. The good memories just didn't come without bad memories. None of the bad memories were beyond common childhood struggles. I didn't bother telling my husband about any of them. I carried on with my daily routine for the rest of the week and into the week weekend and into the week thinking that the nighttime crying from behind the walls had just been a fluke and putting it out of my mind. What occurred the following Tuesday night made me desperately wish to only be subjected to phantom crying. I woke up in the middle of the night with the urge to get a glass of water to cure my cotton mouth. When I got to the bottom of the stairs, my senses were immediately assaulted by the most rotten, putrid smell I had ever encountered. 
What? I whisper shouted to myself as I wrinkled my nose in disgust. It was ancient and rotting, whatever it was. I cautiously made my way to the kitchen where the ceiling light was turned on but flickering, fading in and out as if it were close to burning out completely. The refrigerator was hanging wide open. I went to shut it and stopped dead in my tracks. The milk jug sitting on the second shelf had mold spores floating inside and the worst smell emanating from it. I frantically yanked open the cheese and deli meat drawer. Thick mold had taken over everything inside. And that's when another thing occurred to me. This wasn't a refrigerator. It was antiquated and yellowing and looked exactly like the one my parents had for years during my childhood. What? I asked myself again, loud enough this time that it could have been heard by anyone who wasn't as dead asleep as my husband upstairs. On instinct, I turned around and ran from the kitchen to the bathroom. I splashed cold water on my face, hoping to wake myself up. This had to be a dream. I stared at myself in the mirror, focusing hard on anything that could bring me back to sanity. That's when I heard a loud crack and the sound of a door screeching open behind me. I whirled around, peered into the dim hallway, and noticed that the previously sealed basement door had opened just a little. When I approached the door to shut it, the worst chill I had ever felt came over me. The air coming from the basement was cold enough to be coming from an industrial freezer. A feeling of dread sat thick in my chest. I didn't want to, but I knew I had to open the basement door, turn on whatever light I could find, and see what was down there. I slowly pulled the door open further and flipped the light switch on the wall. What I saw made my heart stop. I saw a little girl with long, dark hair standing at the bottom of the stairs. She was staring back up at me silently. Her bangs were messy across her forehead and tears stained her face. It took me just a few minute, a few seconds to realize the girl was me. I was staring at my past self from the time my family had lived in this house. She looked stunned, her mouth hanging open just a little. Without meaning to, I blurted out, You can't be here! and backed up until I was pressed against the wall behind me. I continued staring at my younger self in cold terror as my hand flew across my mouth and tears rolled down my face. Then she started to climb the stairs, her eyes still locked on mine. Spurred on by a rush of adrenaline, I turned and ran down the hall, past the kitchen, through the living room, and out the front door, screaming the entire way. My screams echoed through the neighborhood. At the corner of my eye, I saw the upstairs lights turn on and the house to the right of ours. As I stood on the sidewalk in front of our house, shaking and sobbing, I swore I could see, peering down at me from the window where the spare room was, the small, pale face of my past self. Eventually, she began to fade away. It wasn't long before my husband and both the neighbors were outside consoling me, trying to convince me I'd had a sleepwalking nightmare or something. The next day, I checked on the food and saw that, was, that it was back to being edible. The light in the kitchen no longer flickered, the basement door was sealed shut once again, and I never heard the crying again after that. The incident bothered me for a while, though. The idea that it was all an incredibly vivid dream was compelling but to me it felt more real than that. I began reading as many anecdotes about people's paranormal experiences as I could find online. A few people did report seeing apparitions of themselves, past or present. 
or someone they knew who was still alive during stressful times. Some insist that this is your mind playing tricks on you while exhausted and under pressure. Others believe that it's some kind of spiritual energy we can leave behind without even dying, manifesting as a ghost. I went down the rabbit hole of Glitch in the Matrix stories as well, hoping to find something that related to my bizarre and terrifying experience. We still live in that house and everything has been fine and uneventful ever since. I'll likely never know exactly what happened that night.